Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. It's good to be here this morning with you. So glad you have made the time to be a part of this conference. We're thankful for you this morning. Let's get our Bibles out and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, I want to look at this morning. There was an author by the name of Greg Hessler. He is the author of a spirit-led preaching book. And he begins to tackle a controversial subject. And that is how preachers experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their preparation and delivery of their messages. And there was a chapter that was totally devoted to the anointing. And he makes the statement, he says, to reduce powerful preaching to talent, even God-given talent, it seems to overlook the Spirit's ministries made available to us in preaching. He goes on to say that he clearly believes the empowerment of the Spirit is not something that preachers can take for granted. He talks of both theology and experience, but he makes the statement that preaching must rely on both the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit. He said, we have lost our sense of the supernatural, and as a result, preaching has become the activity of man instead of the ministry of God. Preachers must pay attention both to the dynamics of preaching and the mechanics of preaching. And it begins to champion the scripture, but also the message that's given. And he talks about a message that is driven by the text 
and a sermon that is driven by the Spirit down to the path of the text. And I like what he says. He writes, one characteristic of Spirit-empowered preaching is fearlessness or boldness. I want to preach on anointed and appointed this morning out of 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, so he sinned and had David brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome, with, uh, and handsome features. Then the Lord said, arise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power let's pray god we're asking right now for your anointing for you to do what i cannot do god i rest in your confidence that comes from your spirit abiding in and through me this morning i'm asking that you administer the hearts in this place make impact i pray in jesus name amen so when you read this account no doubt there are questions that come to your mind about the anointing that is what is the anointing of the holy spirit what is its purpose and what is the importance of it what does it do in our life first of all we'll look at why the anointing because when you read in the bible the anointing spoke of a special empowerment by the holy spirit you can read in the old testament that you find kings and priests they understood that they could not accomplish their assignment in life without the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them. The future King David. The Bible says in our account he was anointed by Samuel. The outward expression of this anointing is that Samuel came to him and he took a horn of oil and he began to pour it over his head. But what happened inwardly, you have to understand, was more important. That the power of the Spirit came upon him to equip him for the future that God had for him. So we asked this morning, what's the anointing for? Why does God empower us with his Spirit? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 through 22. Listen here, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Listen here. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So we have to get the revelation that God does anoint his people. It's not a question whether if he will, but that he does. The Bible says he anoints us. That means we have a calling this morning. We have been commissioned to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But thank God there's an anointing that comes with that. We find David, Paul, and us today. From then until now, we can receive this anointing from God and by God. So let's look at the purpose that he confers this unction. What is the function of the unction? In Acts chapter 1, 5, and 8, in a few days you will receive, or rather be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So one main purpose we know this morning is that it comes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give us power to be Christ's witnesses. That means when we have been commissioned to do something that may seem enormous or beyond us to fulfill, we must recognize, yes, I cannot do this in my own ability, but I need that endowment of power. I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I need the anointing to make the difference. Pastor Cluck would always make that statement. We've heard it for years and years. It's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. We know that many Christians fear witnessing because they think in their mind, I have to do this in my own ability. I have to think of the right words to approach people, to tell them in the correct way how they must be saved. Thank God, no. The Bible says you receive power to be as witnesses when, say that word this morning, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's stating you can be an effective witness when the Spirit comes upon you. And I'm going to say this morning, there are no powerless Christians when they are filled with the Spirit and walking in the anointing. We understand that it is daily that we are to encounter the Holy Ghost. Pastor Mitchell always made the statement to having longevity in the ministry and being fresh in your ministry is that you must engage the Holy Spirit every day. So what does the anointing do in our life? It gives us power to be effective. That means this morning you are not limited by your lack of skills. You are not limited by your lack of temperament. Jesus promised you will receive power. You will receive an enablement to minister beyond your natural capabilities. Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom of the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see in this verse this morning, five purposes of the anointing that is revealed. First, it is to enable you to preach the good news effectively. The gospel we share, remember, it is always good news. The anointing enables us to share it with powerful impact. Secondly, to make you a spirit-filled messenger. That means we are a proclaimer of freedom and liberty. That you no longer have to be bound. We come into these islands to declare that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he can break every bondage. He can break you out of cultural ways that are leading you to hell. He can set you on the straight path that will lead you to heaven. We proclaim freedom from sin drugs, depression, addictions, and etc. Third, is, it is to bring recovery of sight for the blind. We know that this is physical and spiritual. It's not just limited to healing, but we know that other gifts of the Holy Ghost can begin to flow from the anointing in your life. Fourth, it is to release the oppressed. 
We have to understand there are people all around us in these islands, in these cities and nations that are oppressed by sin and sickness and demonic activity. That means when we come into a place, we're asking God, give me your mind, give me direction, give me a flow of the Holy Ghost, and let me be used to bring deliverance to these lives. Fifth, it is, it is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is to people ignorant of the message of God's grace. Acts chapter 10, 37 and 38, you know what has happened throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing who are all under the power of the devil because God was with him. The anointing gives you power to go around and do good. We know that Jesus was anointed at the beginning of his ministry. He sets a powerful example that if you're going to do anything for God, you must tap into the anointing and you must be anointed by God to step out. The Greek word for doing good, it appears twice in the New Testament, meaning that of a benefactor. Vines defines it as to bestow a benefit. The anointing remembers not just for healing, preaching, witnessing, and deliverance, and miracles, but it is to make us a benefactor that we are doers of good to needy people. The anointing gives you power to break the yoke of the enemy in people's lives. It is not just to minister to bound people, but to address the spiritual dimension and the climate in these islands and nations. That our job is to recognize there's something spiritually going at work in this place. And I need the anointing that will destroy the enemy's yoke. First John chapter 20 verse 20. And 26 to 27. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray verse 27 as for you the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but as his anointing teaches you about all things as the anointing is real not counterfeit just as it was taught to you remain in him so finally it empowers us to hear and discern and to hold the truth the Bible says you have an anointing and to know the truth. So when you read this this morning, it's not saying that you're all that. I'm anointed so I don't need a pastor. I don't need anyone over me because the Spirit of God teaches me all things. That's not what it means. It does not nullify the need for pastors. Remember that the context is in contrast to false teachers. Meaning that the anointing will help you to sort out false teachers and false teachings. We know that the anointing teaches us, meaning, meaning it encourages us to grow in spiritual things. That the Spirit of God brings illumination and clarity to abound. So secondly, I want to look at the anointing that increases. The anointing can bring your ministry to a higher level of results. And remember that it can continually increase in one's life. Acts chapter 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus and Nazareth of the Holy Ghost and with power. 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with them. So remember, this is what propelled Jesus' ministry in a mighty way. When others begin to look at him, they recognize he was a rabbi or a teacher, but they also knew that there was something different about him that set him apart from all others. He was not like other teachers. And I say this morning, I declare it is the same for us for effective ministry. We can also be powerfully used regardless of who we are. And as we enter this conference, you are not meant to come and begin to look at all the deficiencies in your life. No, you are coming to recognize that God can use me in spite of my deficiencies. That I can lead this conference empowered by the Holy Ghost. I may not be fully educated. I may not have the certain pedigree that I need in my life. But as I come to this conference, I can leave knowing that God can be with me. The Bible says, now it is God who anointed us. We have an anointing from the Holy One. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus was anointed and then began his ministry. Remember that the anointing is always in connection with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered the Bible makes it clear when the Spirit descended upon him at the Jordan River. But I'm here to tell you this morning for us, we receive it in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We are a Pentecostal fellowship. We are Pentecostal people. I am a Pentecostal from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And we are marching in the vision that God has given us. Remember, we are a part of a Pentecostal movement. This account uh, contains some of the most powerful results done under the anointing. You can find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Rather, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. It says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all believers. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So here is Paul. He comes to the Thessalonians with the gospel. But I want you to notice how he ministered to them. The Bible says with the word of God, this is the truth of salvation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our message this morning, that we serve a living Savior. Yes, uh, he was born in a manger, but he went to the cross and he died. But on the third day, he rose again. And because he rise, we can rise with him. With power. 
Remember, this is God's power by the anointing in the Spirit's baptism with the Holy Spirit. As the gospel is ministered, the Holy Spirit makes the message come alive and it begins to touch the hearts of men, remembering this morning that when we preach the gospel, we're not aiming for the mind simply, but we're aiming for the spirit of man. Many people can miss heaven because they are thinking so much with their head that they cannot experience God's power in their spirit. With deep conviction, it's the spirit that convicts sinners, prompting them to call upon the Lord for salvation. Paul said, you know how we lived among you for your sake. We know that Paul practiced what he preached. This is very important for those in the ministry. Remember that the anointing won't make up for character failures. You must live a life in consistency with what you preach. We find that Paul preached to them in the power of the Holy Ghost because he lived a life in the power of the Holy Ghost. First, we find they welcomed the message. It came to them with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So if your ministry this morning is in power and in word and by the Holy Spirit and with conviction, many will be uh, impacted by it and they will receive it. Secondly, the Holy Spirit put the gospel in their hearts with joy. And one of the true signs of conversion and revival is that joy follows. There is joy in following God. And this week we need to have joy. I know that ministry can be hard. It's like drudgery sometimes, going through things and facing some things. But we must remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that we can assemble together and we can have a good time, experience the Holy Ghost in this place that will refresh us. When Philip ministered in Samaria under the anointing, the Bible says what he left there, yes, was signs and wonders and the power of God, but great joy in that city. Third, they treasure salvation enough to endure severe suffering for it. Fourth, they change their conduct to imitate the Lord and to imitate godly leaders. A saved person's life demonstrates their salvation. Fifth, we see they became models to uh, a model to all believers. We know this morning that people need role models and believers should be that this morning. Six, we find that the message rang out from them. This means they undertook bold, articulate witnessing. This is not rolling up tracks in a door and walking away, but no, they begin to stand and lift up their voice and declare that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto them. And God began to follow the word with signs and wonders. The gospel went out from them the same way that it came to them under the anointing on spirit-filled ministers i like this text from the apostle paul not simply with words but also with power the amplified in ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 ever be filled and stimulated with the holy spirit seventh we find that the thessalonians lived and shared their faith everywhere that they went and I declare that our faith in God is to be mighty and always evident. If they renounce their old ways for God's ways. This speaks of radical conversion. I'm not talking about half-hearted decisions that are made to believe the gospel. 
You cannot expect to be a Christian and pleasing to God when you hang on to old cultural ways. How many know we're a part of a new culture? We are Christians first and everything else follows after that. We are believers in Jesus Christ and you can go into any culture and declare that the kingdom of God can come unto them. You see, worshiping idols was a cultural thing to them. I lived in India for seven years. I've seen this with my eyes. But when the kingdom of God comes, it changes. They chose to serve God, not just passively believe in Him. They threw themselves into their new walk with God. And lastly, we see that Jesus became the center and the focus of their lives, thoughts, and expectations. Paul made the statement, Christ, who is our life, John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. Paul declared that Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. When spirit-filled people minister under the anointing, it will produce powerful and lasting results. I look at my father's ministry. We always move from time to time. I think the longest place I ever lived in one place in my life I think up to this moment now, I just broke the record, was four years. Everywhere in my life, in my childhood years, we were moving to a new city. But he was a man that was possessed. He had a goal, he had a vision for life. And his ministry had great impact in our fellowship. That was a man that was anointed by the Holy Ghost. Lastly this morning, I wanna look at a fresh oil. There was an old prayer warrior that used to pray passionately and he would always make the statement, Lord anoint us with fresh oil. He knew the important truth that the anointing that God has given us in the past must be fresh in our lives today or we will fall short of God's plan for our lives. We should not settle for good when we can have God's best. Remember this this morning, yesterday's anointing is insufficient for today. That means we must keep it fresh. We must keep it functioning in our lives. Psalms 92, 10, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. The Amplified says, I am anointed with fresh oil for your service. The psalmist was aware of the need for fresh oil. We know that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Kings in Israel were anointed with oil, signifying God's call upon them into kingship and empowerment for that office. 1 Samuel 16, 13. It speaks of the future King David. In our account that we read, the Bible makes it clear that Samuel identifies David. He calls him out from his brothers. He takes that horn of oil and he begins to anoint him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. We find with King Saul, the same thing happened. Samuel takes a flask of olive oil and he pours it on Saul's head and the Bible says he kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And in verse 6 of the same account of 1 Samuel chapter 10, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. So we know the outcome of these two men. 
Despite the anointing coming upon these two kings, both sinned and failed the Lord. The trajectory of Saul's life went downward, even the point that we read about him con uh, contracting, rather consulting a witch doctor. We know that David planned a murder and committed adultery. We know that he tried to cover this up. He tried to cover up his sin. So our takeaway from this this morning, that even the most powerful anointing on us in the past will not necessarily keep us on God's path today unless we keep that anointing stirred up as fresh oil daily. How do we do that this morning? We do that by engaging the Holy Ghost. That means when we pray, when we call upon God in our daily devotional time, we're seeking to engage the Spirit of God in our life. We find that Jesus, the Son of God, He also needed the anointing so He could do all that God had called Him to do. We see an interesting pattern in His life. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit in His life from conception, but He did not do His first miracle until after the Holy Ghost came upon him. It was not by his conception, but rather through the baptism or his own experience receiving the Holy Ghost in his life. John chapter 2 verse 11, the beginning of miracles did Jesus, uh, did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So likewise this morning, the anointing kept fresh and stirred in us will open the door for Pentecostal power. This involves supernatural gifts. The gospel records how Jesus kept the anointing stirred up daily. It came by his dedication to prayer. He had a private time with his father that he spent with him daily in prayer and meditation. So I want to say this morning, how much more must we need God's anointing in our life daily in the word? in prayer, in worship, and in fellowship. Each of us have a decision to make. Will we do that? Or will we be content with a false hope that yesterday's anointing will carry us forward? Remember that Jesus was the anointed one, that kings and priests and prophets of Old Testament were anointed with oil, that this typified empowerment for their calling. But I wanna say in this dispensation, the Spirit's anointing is available to all who believe. In other words, if you are a believer this morning, there should be no reason why you're not anointed. God has anointed us. Paul wrote this. John wrote something similar. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is in the book of Acts. Right after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This has been understood to have been their new birth by the Spirit, but later before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he promised them that you're going to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit and they would receive power to accomplish their ministries. So Jesus made the clear distinction between their birth by the Spirit and their baptism with the Spirit on Pentecost. Kings had to be anointed for the Spirit to come upon them, 
because they needed that for this, that moment. And how many know we need power for our calling? We're just like anyone else if we don't. We're just like any other deadhead church down the block. We need power for what we've been commissioned to do. God anointed Jesus. Remember that this morning. This helps us understand Jesus' words. He attributed his successful ministry to the power of the Spirit. This same anointing this morning, it is a source of power for our ministries done in his name. We can receive that this morning. And I pray that this week of conference is not just good messages, but I pray that there would be an impartation from this pulpit to the pew. That there would be spiritual transactions happening in the altar. That the Spirit of God would come down and begin to minister and move in your lives. James charges us, rather charged us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We must stay close to God daily. We must ask him today and each day for a current impartation of a fresh anointing. One of my prayers that I pray every day, let today be better than yesterday. Let today be more powerful, more impactful. Let my relationship with you be more experiential today than yesterday. Let your daily cry be in the words of the old prayer warrior, Lord, anoint me with fresh oil. We have been called this morning, we have been commissioned to be anointed and appointed. There's a story that took place in Chicago. A few people in Chicago were better known in the religious circles than a lady by the name of Sarah Cook. For she was continuously going to the missions, street meetings and conventions and camp conferences lectures and every kind of religious gatherings within her reach. She was a living example of aggressive evangelism, instant in season and out of season. She arrived in Chicago in 1868 and in her words, a perfect stranger. But it did not take her long to become involved in God's work helping the YMCA on Madison Street. She attended D.O. Moody's church when, she, uh, when he was young and Cook described him years later as a diamond in the rough. And she said that his teachings were lacking divine unction and power. But during a St. Charles camp meet in 1871, she felt burdened for D.L. Moody, that he needed anointing of, of power from the Holy Spirit. So she and her friend who usually sat on the front row, told Moody they were praying for him to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Moody was unsure this was a need. Nevertheless, he asked the two ladies to meet with him in the farewell hall every Friday afternoon to, to discuss this matter and to pray. Apparently, his hunger increased. Crick reported that on Friday before the great Chicago fire, Mr. Moody, his agony was so great that he rolled on the floor and in the midst of many tears and groans cried to God to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Following the Chicago fire, Moody went to New York to raise funds for the rebuilding of the church and the YMCA building. It was in New York City while walking down Wall Street that the young preacher finally received the spiritual blessing that he had prayed for. Moody felt such a sense of the Holy Spirit's infilling 
that he cried, hold Lord, it is enough. He said, I went to preaching again. The sermons were no different. I did not present any new truths. And yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. And how many of this morning we are Pentecostal? We believe in this baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, we need that divine unction of the anointing to flow through our lives. And I believe this morning God can stir you afresh. He can place upon your mouth, even in your tongue, an anointing to proclaim the Word of God in power and dominion. You can go back to your islands. You can go to your city and believe that God would use you as a mouthpiece to stand up and to arise and declare the gospel in the power of the Holy Ghost. I want us to bow our head and close our eyes this morning. <clears throat> if you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast.